Hello, in this week's show we're in touch with a very busy COVID-19 call centre in Central African Republic. We'll also hear from the Human Rights Council, where Ukraine's unresolved crisis has been in the spotlight. An alarming heat record has been declared in the Arctic, and we'll hear some plain speaking from World Health Organization Chief Tedros Adhanom Ghebreyesus on the issue of COVID-19 boosters and vaccine inequity. Not forgetting closing comments from the show's regular guest, Solange Behetegui-Cortez. That's all coming up in this week's UN Catch-Up Dateline Geneva with me, Daniel Johnson. Thanks for listening. First, the news. The Omicron COVID-19 variant has been reported in at least 77 countries. The reality is that it's probably in most. That's the message from the head of the UN Health Agency, Tedros Adhanom Ghebreyesus, who warned on Tuesday that even if Omicron does cause less severe disease, the sheer number of cases could once again overwhelm unprepared health systems. Tedros also maintained on Tuesday that the World Health Organization was not against booster vaccines, but rather vaccine inequity. Let me be very clear. WHO is not against boosters. We are against inequity. Our main concern is to save lives everywhere. It is a question of prioritization. Who gets what vaccines in what order? The order matters. Giving boosters to groups at low risk of severe disease or death simply endangers the lives of those at high risk who are still waiting for their primary dose because of supply constraints. According to the WHO, 41 countries have still not been able to vaccinate 10% of their populations and 98 countries have not reached 40%. Tedros warned that if this situation continued, the pandemic would not stop. To the Human Rights Council, which heard on Wednesday how fundamental freedoms in Ukraine have been squeezed in government-controlled areas, as well as across the contact line in eastern territories held by mainly pro-Russian separatists. Amid increasing international tensions on the issue of Ukraine, UN Deputy High Commissioner for Human Rights Nada al-Nashif also told the Council that similar violations continue to be documented in the Crimea, which has been temporarily occupied by the Russian Federation, she said, since 2014. Here she is now describing the situation in the non-government-controlled East. The expression of pro-Ukrainian views or opinions was particularly targeted. For example, in November 2019, an entrepreneur was detained in the self-proclaimed Luhansk People's Republic for publicly expressing his pro-Ukrainian views. He was held incommunicado for three days and later sentenced to 13 and a half years in prison. Among member states' concerns at the Council, the European Union called for access to the whole of Ukraine, while Belarus warned that between 4 and 10 million people had fled the country amid increasing poverty. The United Kingdom urged Russia to end its threatening and destabilising behaviour amid a military build-up on Ukraine's borders, while Russia noted with concern the closing down of Russian-language TV channels and the stigmatisation of those working for Russian-speaking media. A new and disturbing high temperature record for the Arctic of 38 degrees Celsius or 100 degrees Fahrenheit has been confirmed by the World Meteorological Organization, WMO. Worryingly, the temperature reading in the Russian town of Verhoyansk that was taken last June is just one of a series of potentially record-breaking observations from around the planet that the agency is still verifying. WMO has described the record as a temperature more befitting the Mediterranean than the Arctic and added that average temperatures over Arctic Siberia reached 10 degrees Celsius above normal for much of last summer. 
For Hoyansk, where the record reading was taken, is 115 kilometres north of the Arctic Circle, which is warming more than twice as fast as the global average. Here's WMA spokesperson Claire Nullis in Geneva. If you cast your mind back to last year, you will recall there was an exceptional prolonged Siberian heatwave. As a result of this heatwave, we saw devastating, very widespread Siberian fires, and we saw massive sea, Arctic sea ice loss at the end of the summer season. The heat that we saw in Siberia in 2020 would have been almost impossible without climate change. In addition to the record Arctic temperature, the UN agency is verifying a new high in the Antarctic of 18.3 degrees Celsius and a reading of 54.4 degrees Celsius in the world's hottest place, Death Valley in California. The headlines there and now to Central African Republic, which is home to a great initiative to take on COVID-19. When coronavirus infections and deaths surged there in early 2021, the UN World Food Programme launched a toll-free helpline in June at the request of the authorities. Today, the phones are ringing off the hook at the call centre, and that's because it's become the go-to place for people worried about staying healthy and also for those who want trusted information about COVID in the face of so much misinformation. To tell us about it, here's Francis Karoma, head of the World Food Programme's Emergency Telecommunications Cluster, speaking to me from Bangui, just outside the call centre. So the idea to have a COVID-19 call centre came from the Ministry of Health. The objective was to provide the local population with the means to report symptoms of COVID-19 and be able to receive useful information from trained medical personnel about what needs to be done in case of suspected cases of COVID-19. And the overall objective is to reduce the spread of the virus and provide timely treatment to infected persons. A lot of people call the COVID-19 helpline second for information about the vaccine, where to obtain the vaccine. And we also have vaccinated people calling the help centre what needs to be done when they have those side effects as a result of the COVID vaccine. The COVID centre, at the COVID centre, we have a total of 3,000 calls on a weekly basis. About 70% of those calls refers to people seeking information about COVID-19 vaccine, where it can be obtained, and requests uh, for information from vaccinated people experiencing side effects. The remaining 30% is from callers reporting COVID-19 symptoms, other illnesses, domestic violence. We now get uh, calls when people experience rape, for example, at home. Road traffic accidents, we get calls for people who, who, who have uh, gotten an accident. We also receive calls about crime and also security concerns outside of the capital city. So it is important to note that COVID-19 call centre is part of a new initiative by ETC to provide services that will directly benefit the people that we serve. I see. So it indicates perhaps that there's a real need for help at the community level. Maybe you could just give me a bit more detail about the impact of COVID-19, because in, well, almost everywhere in the world, we've seen the huge socioeconomic impact. People have lost work and they've had to stay at home. There's been the mental health aspect of it. Central African Republic, has it been any different? The impact has been the same. I mean, the two waves brought 
immense impact on food security. Households are using different mechanisms to cope with the loss of income. And the economic situation created by COVID has been dire. In 2020, the vulnerabilities of the population were aggravated by the COVID-19 pandemic. The measures taken by the government to close the border with Cameroon and the Democratic Republic of Congo, including restrictions on intercity movement, helped reduce COVID transmission. However, the reduced movement of goods and services had very serious effect on the economy. We saw rises in prices of food and non-food items, and this also came at a time when people have lost their main sources of income. We also have the ongoing insecurity in many parts of the country and questions about how you are able, as the World Food Programme, to access rural communities. Maybe you could just explain what the state of humanitarian need is in the country where only a few years ago, I remember reading a disturbing report from the UN Children's Fund that almost every child in the country needed some form of humanitarian assistance. That's a great question, Daniel. You see, the Central African Republic is experiencing extremely high levels of food insecurity as a consequence of recurrent armed conflicts, persistent shocks, the socio-economic impact of COVID-19 pandemic, and the deterioration of essential services. The recurring violence is not only disrupting livelihoods, but also disrupting the delivery of humanitarian assistance. A recent integrated food security study that was conducted shows that for a population of, of about 4 million people, nearly 2.3 million of them are acutely food insecure. That number, of course, is expected to increase significantly from April to August next year because of the lean season. So as WFP, our day-to-day -day work is to provide assistance, whether in-kind assistance or cash-based transfers, to about 800,000 crisis-affected people every month. And this includes, of course, women and children. Yes, so you have your work cut out and you have this fantastic new call centre, which, as I understand it, was set up on the back of an Ebola response initiative. Is that correct? That is, that is correct. Yes, that is correct. And of course, the COVID-19 call centre today provides um, very vast services. Several months ago, the center got calls reporting Ebola systems. And because of the center and that report, the ministry was able to immediately mobilize experts to the location where those symptoms were reported. Uh, fortunately for, for the country, that was a false alarm. That tells you some of the importance of the call centre. And just finally, Francis, if I may, Francis Karoma from the World Food Programme, what does working at this call centre bring you in terms of insight that you haven't had before, this sort of technological advance? Does it bring you closer to communities? Do they? You've already said they tell you all sorts of things, so perhaps it gives you a greater understanding of what they actually need. Yes, of course. The call centre was put in place as part of the government's strategy to fight COVID-19 pandemic. However, we are surprised to see that the centre is now responding to multifaceted issues affecting the general population. For example, as I mentioned earlier, the centre received calls about Ebola-related symptoms. The centre receives calls about fraudsters, you know, people in the medical sector who are trying to defraud people uh, that are sick. The centre provides information used now by the government to conduct civic education 
using the radio stations and educate people about issues frequently reported to the center. The center is now used by the government as a central source of data that is now shared with the relevant actors for what I would call a holistic portfolio of solutions that will help address issues affecting the well-being of the population. My thanks to WFP's Francis Caroma for taking time out of what sounds to be a very busy and successful COVID call centre in the Central African Republic. Now, let me turn to our regular guest, Solange Bejadege Cortez, who's with us again for some closing thoughts. She's also, listeners, fighting through a cold. So thank you for going the extra mile, Solange. Hi there. Hola, Daniel. The invention of the telephone in 1876 revolutionized the way we communicate by no longer transmitting signals or codes, but voices. But as with many technologies, it can be the source of good news or heartbreak. In 1930, Jean Cocteau's piece of theater, La Voix Humaine, in English, The Human Voice, was performed for the first time at La Comédie Française in Paris. It features only one character, a woman on the telephone. The communication keeps breaking down, just as the play presents a difficult breakup of love. The COVID-19 call center set up in Central African Republic that we just heard about represents a new voice of hope. It works for good, providing life-saving information. It is also helping to dispel rumors and misinformation that can spread so quickly in local communities. In a country already ravaged by decades of armed conflict, the COVID call center is a proven lifeline. A team of five operators answers calls around the clock. As evening falls, the call center team switches with operators working the night shift. The fight against the pandemic does not sleep. This call center is essential because it creates links with communities. It is also proof that when we use new technologies responsibly, the results are positive and tangible. The urgency of humanitarian crisis does not allow us the luxury of waiting for a phone call. We must be able to enable the most vulnerable people to pick up the phone so that their voice can be heard loudly. And thanks to all those working so hard at this COVID call center, there's someone on the end of the line to provide answers that we can trust. Thank you, Solange, indeed. And Francis Caroma and the team there in Bangui, brilliant to hear about what you're doing. Best of luck with everything moving forward. I know it's not easy and that you are very, very busy. Right, time's up. So thank you, listeners. We will be back next week with an interview from the UN Refugee Agency's Special Representative for the Climate, Andrew Harper. Don't forget, for more news and interviews, just check out UN News. But I can't let you go without telling you about Ines Alfaro, who's our stagiaire, our intern here in Geneva. And she's been helping keep this podcast on track and organised, which is no easy task, let me tell you. So a very safe wind to you, Ines, and all the very best. Do stay in touch with the podcast and the show and all of us at Geneva. We would love to hear about where you go to next. That's it from us then. Bye-bye for now. Ciao, Daniel. Ciao, Ines. Que te vaya bien. (laughs) 